Welcome to Navigate, the podcast that helps you safely and securely traverse the globe. Alongside travel industry experts and global travelers, we'll gather insights and advice that help you manage any pitfalls or problems that may occur while you're away from home. Our voyage of discovery starts now. Welcome everybody to today's Navigate podcast. My name is Ben Cooper. I'm the head of business development for the Europe, Middle East and Africa region for World Travel Protection. Today joining us, we have Charlotte Copeland. Charlotte is a psychologist and a psychotherapist. She's a leading expert in crisis, disaster and trauma responsive care and a leading mental health expert here in the UK. She's also the managing director of the Safe Haven Trauma Clinic. Welcome, Charlotte. Uh, thank you. It's nice, uh, nice to be here. Thank you for the invite, Ben. 2020 has been a very different year for lots of reasons. It's certainly been different when we come to how much uh, everybody is traveling. If you and I were having a conversation 12 months ago about business travel, just give our audience a bit of a feel of why you would have been telling me, you know what, business travel can be tough. Let's just turn the clock back 12 months and think, what would our conversation have been if this, pan- if this pandemic had, had never come along? And then maybe we'll think about uh, the return to travel. But just, 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 just give our audience a, a feel for 12 months ago, if I'd have been saying, Charlotte, why is business travel tough sometimes? What would you have said? Um, I would have said that uh, it's to do with the um, being in persistent um, motion where people have, I would say, working between different time zones. So their daily routines, the things that keep them well, get turned upside down. And often I know working with business travellers, they might have a routine that works really well for them when they're at home. In my experience, they're often uh, not great at saying I'll ensure I have an adapted routine that I drop into the moment I land when I'm traveling. And that's one of the things we'll often work with with people to do, to say, look, let's work out depending on where you're going and what you're doing and uh, et cetera, is what you have access to is what would that new routine look like? Um, They'll have increased workload. They've often got a lot of pressure. And yet certainly if they're doing consistent travel, uh, trying to fit that workload in, they're working on planes, uh, in airports, um they've got very little access to depending on where they are traveling in the world often to family and friends as they would do normally um so they can feel often quite isolated and quite alone um they're constantly changing diet particularly depending on where in the world they're traveling uh, can put quite a toll on their system uh lack of exercise um so i know i do know some people who manage to always make sure where they go they get some exercise but they are like they're They are the uh, exception rather than the rule, I would say. Um, All of this impacts, again, sleep. So there is tremendous fatigue that kicks in. They really struggle to manage boundaries between what is work time and uh, my off time, you know, downtime that tends to go out the window. Um, And so it takes quite a toll on people mentally, emotionally and physically. And then you have potentially the fact that they could you know, certainly where we tend to work with people, they're often exposed to, been exposed to things that maybe are quite unexpected, shocking, traumatic, Um, you know, whether that's assault whilst they're away, witnessing somebody being um, severely injured or involved in, you know, some kind of major incident. And uh, they've got that to deal with on top of everything else. Um, So as much as everyone always thinks that I think... um, business travel can be tremendous fun my experience is that actually for people that do it um just it's an integral part of their work it takes a tremendous toll 
on them in reality. Yeah, I think uh, I think I would would definitely agree with that. Would you say it's fair to say that some industries or sectors are much further along when they consider mental health and wellness in international travel than others? So, for example, would we be fair in saying the oil and gas industry uh, has long understood the fact that a four week rotation on an oil rig in the middle of the sea takes its toll? People are away from home, away from problems they can't fix. Uh, and it's stressful. Uh, and, and maybe they've been thinking about mental health a whole lot longer than some other sectors who who still see business travel as just a glamorous thing that they're very lucky to be able to do. And that's not necessarily how, how the business travelers themselves are feeling. Is, is this pandemic, the scale of it, going to be a bit of a leveler for everyone as we return to, hopefully, as we return to uh, business travel in 2021? Are we all going to have to sort of start from scratch in some ways thinking, well, we're asking people now, we are asking our people to return to international travel, to crossing international borders. Uh, and maybe that's just a doddle for some people, but maybe that's full of anxieties for some. And returning to international travel is difficult uh, in, in a whole bunch of new ways. Some of the stuff is still the same. Our people might still get run over. They might find themselves in a bad hospital. They might have their heart attack in entirely the wrong place at the wrong time. All of that stuff, of course, is still there. But there's, there's this whole new bunch of problems to, to deal with. Would you think that's fair? Absolutely. I mean, we're definitely seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing a lot of people who are who love to travel, who are now very reticent about, uh, about that. People who were very blasé before, who even now are really considering what does this mean to go back to their international travel routines. I think it's both the exposure uh, to to COVID. Um, I think it's concern over health and safety standards um, and what facilities will there be in terms of, you know, sanitising, that kind of thing. Um, I think, you know, the concern about what happens if I become really unwell in, uh, in a foreign country, depending on what the healthcare is there. Will I be able to get home? Um, what if I bring the virus back? Um, delays that they may have because of that. Um, and certainly th- things like the impact of quarantine rules is we're seeing have a, a, a major impact already actually on how people are looking at travel. And I think whilst there is this hope of um, the vaccine, you know, we have to be realistic about the times that that will take for that to be rolled out. And, um, and, you know, within that, when you were saying before about the the impact across all sectors rather than it just being some, I think what we have to remember is what you're talking about there. So oil and gas is a great example where there are some sectors that because of the demands of the profession, that people's psychological well-being is an inherent part of ensuring that uh, health and safety standards are met. Um, and when the conditions are known to potentially significantly impact somebody's psychological well-being and they can impact them in quite extreme circumstances that would have very serious consequences, mental health guidelines have to be put on the map. And so they become almost mandatory within those uh, within organisations, within those sectors. The difference has been, and this is true in the UK, for instance, most most of the world Uh, When it comes to uh, the mental health guidelines, um, they are guidelines. It's not like health and safety. So with physical health and safety, where it is mandatory. So the difference now 
is I would say that it has raised awareness on the how essential attending to our psychological well-being is in order to ensure everybody can do the job they're employed to do and um, function in a in a in a healthy uh, in a healthy manner. And so it's raised the importance of the subject because the pandemic in and of itself is creating so much additional strain on our psychological well-being. Um, and I think that is why you're quite correct. We will see, see an increased um, level of responsiveness to psychological health, uh, I suspect, going forward because of this situation. Now, then whether it will be the same five years from now, well, who knows? But I would certainly say I know when I'm reading uh, all of the different articles, etc., coming out, I was reading some in the British Medical Journal, British Psychological Society, you know, you're looking at certainly over the next 18 months, two years, this prolonged impact on psychological well-being because of the pandemic. Um, and so I certainly think it's something that will be on the map for the next couple of years. And the next five to 10 years, I guess only time will tell. If somebody's listening to this and they think they are kind of, uh, how did you phrase it? Uh, you said the brain is becoming threat focused uh, and that's the bit you need to spot. And I guess that's the bit where you're in fight or flight zone all the time and then your reactions to people or things or, or stresses start to uh, be different to what they might have been 12 months ago. If someone's thinking that or spotting that, just quickly, what would you say are the first things to do? So first of all is you have to understand what are the stressors in my life that I'm exposed to, like what's happening to me in my life um, here that is stressful and how are they impacting me? So which which do I see as like oh, a challenge, bring it on, and which do I start to really, they start to send me into a complete like stress head or a real, real reacting place in myself because you'll know, you'll feel, you'll either want to withdraw or you'll start to feel yourself a bit more aggressive and reactive. Like the moment you're either of that is happening, that's that's the uh, threat response, um, as opposed to it feeling like bring it on, come on, and that's the challenge response. Okay, so that's what you have to watch in yourself. Those are two things. What are the things that affect me, and which do I see as stressful, and which do I see as a challenge? Then what you have to do is say right. Can I change my perception, which is what you're talking about there? Can I look at some of the things I'm reacting to as, as if they're a threat and see them in more of a, you know, bring it on, let's see this as a challenge way? So that's always a question. The other is also, are there some stressors that I can remove from my life? Uh, you know, um, if it's that's a bit, some, sometimes we can, sometimes we can just make a choice and we can think, oh, I could just like not have that in my life and, um, you know, uh, that is an option. So it's always a question. But the next things we need to do is we need to say, as well as addressing them. So that sounds very simple. But the reality is, if you've been struggling, and you know, we're, we're nine, 10 months in now to this situation. If you've been dealing with sort of quite a lot of stress for a prolonged period of time now, you might find starting with that really quite difficult because you'll feel fatigued you'll feel weighed down with everything you'll often perhaps feel things will feel like quite overwhelming so having the headspace and the emotional space and the physical energy to sort of do that 
can seem a big ask. So there is another thing that is worth doing. And often uh, this can be the first thing to start with because it's easier, which is how do I do things? How do I add things into my life that give my system a break? Right. They give my nervous system a bit of a break. They help me have a little bit of downtime in my life. Now, one of the big things here is time around on talking to people who just you feel a peace with, a peace around. They really, you know, they're really helpful to be around, even if that is on Zoom or the telephone. It's an interesting thing. I recently um, I recently changed from my Fitbit to a Garmin watch. One of the reasons was that um, apart from all the hiking, because one of my strategies is, is hiking, I like to get out on the hills, is... Um, is I really like the fact it looked at heart rate variability and stress response. And uh, I found it really interesting to note that whenever I do, um, actually not clinic sessions, interestingly enough, but when I do Zoom calls and meetings, my stress reaction is always relatively uh, high. It's always quite reasonable. Um, when I was speaking with a family, when I speak to like my, my sister or kind of my parents, is... Um, it was really interesting that my stress response goes into the blue zone. So it drops into, into the low. And I would say that, and it gave me some science to back up the science. I don't, so what I would call me, human being, me lived experience science to back up the, the papers I also read. And you think, yes, absolutely. Time with those key people in our lives um, really can lower the stress response and give your system a little bit of a break. And in doing that, what happens is you start to, over a 24-hour period, just start to lower the average kind of stress level your system is at. And that will give you a bit more headspace. You might start to sleep a little bit better. You might find that you can, I don't know, go from having the two glasses of wine a night to one glass of wine a night and ultimately one glass of wine every other night. So you'll start to see you can make small steps and changes in the right direction that will all start to boost your mood, help you feel more in control of your own life, yourself, help you feel better about yourself. Again, these will all lower the stress level. So starting with key people in your life um, and then also starting with basic activities. So just simple things like can I get myself, as I've said, like 30 minutes of sunlight, ideally before 10.30, uh, in the day like can I can I find a way to to give myself that that time um will I uh, if you read you know will I find like I read I read an awful lot but I read pretty much all technical books um, but I have to make sure that within that I mean I'm not a novel person but I will have some what I would call lightweight technical books are just fun to read and I'll make sure I have time reading that because that acts again as a real boost so it puts me in the you stress window and positive stress window and it also lowers um, stress levels so you need to find simple activities that you can do that will really start to make a difference and give your system and you mentally emotionally and physically uh, that boost that starts to make overall uh, each 24-hour period gradually more manageable. So Charlotte where where should people go? We've talked about the trigger points. We've talked about the things to observe. We've talked about um, people being very vigilant. 
what's the first port of call for someone who thinks that, you know what, they really are struggling. They do need help. They do need support through this. Life is just getting too hard. Where should people go? Well, there are a number of places that people can reach out to. Um, and what I will also say is that, you know, when should when should a person say, look, um, now's the time to maybe consider reaching out. So the when, let's start with that. If people, look, if you're just finding in yourself, like, I'm just struggling, like whether it's to manage my thinking, like my thinking just seems, I can't seem to stop. I seem to be overthinking all the time. Uh, what I'm feeling about is becoming very obsessive. If you notice your emotions start to feel very uh, overwhelming and you're very reactive and can't seem to change that, like those are signs. So listen, that's maybe if putting some of the simple strategies in that we've talked about um, is insufficient and not making a difference with those things, uh, reach out for some extra help. If someone uh, considers they don't have anyone to reach out to, who is that trusted and valued person who they can share their thoughts with and how they feel, um, then absolutely, that's the point where you would reach out uh, for some extra support to have someone to talk to. Um, If you find that you're proactively doing the things we've talked about, like, look, I'm identifying my stresses, I'm, I'm working on changing how I Uh, perceive them and making sure I'm doing some activities and looking at how I behave and I'm doing all of that and there's nothing's making a difference again that's the point where you go okay reach out for some extra uh, help and then if you have any uh, feelings of despair um, and you worry that actually you may harm yourself uh, or someone else um don't 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 stay and never stay dealing with that alone reach out uh, and get some help now the where you would go obviously there always is the gp if you are employed with an organization who has an employee assistance provider then um that eap will be providing uh, a certain amount of uh freely available counseling services and that will be fully confidential. So definitely check out with your organisation the contact details. Um, Obviously, there are other NHS and private services that um, people can reach out to. And then there are free services. So, um, you know, whether that is the Samaritans or Mind, or there's a whole host of uh, different specialist uh, free services you can reach out to if you need to talk to somebody um definitely check them out and use them I did a year with the Samaritans myself on the phones and um I can definitely you know say reach out it can make a real difference wise words Charlotte it's been great speaking to you thanks very much for joining us um maybe you'll come back next year and we'll we'll have a sort of retrospective look at that crystal ball and see see what uh see what happened but for now thanks very much for joining us and we'll speak to you again you're very welcome thank you Ben Thank you for listening to this episode of Navigate, the World Travel Protection podcast that steers you in the right direction, helping you explore the world safely. For more information on how we protect millions of global travellers each year, visit worldtravelprotection.com or follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to connect. Finally, if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more from my experts, be sure to hit subscribe or follow or please leave us a review. Until next time, keep travelling and stay safe.